Hello, Dwayne Brummett here with Allie Albarigo, SchoolOwnerTalk.com. Allie, great to be with you today, sir. Yeah, you too, Dwayne. Always great to be with you and being on the call and getting to hang with you uh, all the way from uh, whatever thousand miles away that we are or however far. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, no, it's a nice thing you know, uh, that we can we can do this via the Internet. And uh, everybody talks about all the bad stuff that's on the Internet. We're just trying to put some good stuff out there. Yeah, isn't that true? It's so funny that I, I – it's crazy. Just recently, just like 10 minutes ago, on I was talking to someone on Facebook, and I'm like just tired of all the negativity. I'm like, we just got to stop listening to it, stop reading it, stop being a part of it. That's the only way it's going to go away, right? It's, it's just it, – Well, it's just people... I don't think it'll ever – it's not ever going to go away. We just have to ignore it. Exactly. But, I mean, the more people that feed into it, the more popular it is, right? So if everybody loves to read about negativity, then social media is just going to keep that going. But if people stop reading about it, then less and less people, you know, it'll bring less and less people in. Yeah, I think that's a losing battle. Everybody likes a, a good a good story that's bad. You know, when somebody has a bad experience in the studio, they're going to tell, you know, what's, what's the old saying? They're going to tend tell 10 people, 10, 12 people, but if they have a yeah. good experience, they only tell, you know, one to two people. So, yeah. When I was promoting this morning's call, I was on one of the groups, the martial art groups, and there was a meme and it said something like, um, uh, it, it had to do with uh, social media and reading it. And then how, if they're, if people are reading it, or if you're afraid of what people are writing about you, then you should be looking at your own behaviors about what you're doing. And I, I totally disagreed with them. I said it doesn't have to be true in any way, shape, or form or anything that we do as school owners because if someone is negative or they're upset, they'll spew all sorts of toxins and there's no truth to it whatsoever. So what it, basically, I took that as being fearful of every single thing you do because you're afraid someone's going to take it the wrong way or say the wrong thing or, or post the wrong thing about you. So we're almost like prisoners of this kind of environment, which is crazy. Right. No, I agree. Yeah. So, so our call, I mean, is an interesting one today. I mean, uh, want to lead into it? Yeah. Um, well, basically, it's how to protect your assets. You know, the the question is, why build an urn if you don't, if you, uh, you know, if you don't protect it? So, why build right. an urn? You know, your your empire, if you will, without you know, if you're not going to do something to protect your assets. Yeah. And you not know, not a that's sexy a big... topic, but so important, right? I don't know. I don't know if it's not sexy. I think that um, everyone in their lives strives for the day where they can check out. And I don't mean die. I mean, like, say, okay, I want to be 65 and then I can retire. I, you know, I want to be able to then retire to Florida or to Colorado or to wherever you're or just stay in your home and have all your bills paid. Um, there's always that goal of what we want in the future. Sadly, though, we work our entire lives to be able to get there. And then we have this very short span where maybe we can enjoy it. And then, you know, because the lifespan, let's just say, is 85 years old now, right? So if you're if you're 60 when you retire, you got you got maybe 25 years left to enjoy yourself, which is like a third of what you've lived, right? Or, you know, whatever right. it is. So um, we work our whole lives to get there. And then a lot of people, unfortunately, die before they get there. And some people die shortly after they get there. So what is it that we're doing to protect our, ourselves? And what are we doing to, you know, make sure that we have something to look forward to? That's yeah, a big you know, thing. if I – if I can interject and just say one thing, you know, I guess that presupposes that we didn't enjoy what we were involved with prior to quote unquote retiring. 
And I don't right. know that that should be the case for martial arts school owners. Not that we don't have our ups and downs, but uh, if you're not enjoying this business, then you just shouldn't be in it. You need to go find something else to be in because, right. uh, like, a, I believe it was our last call, wasn't it? That yeah. We talked about this is, the, this is the best business to be in, right? Yeah. Um, and, and so I, I think that needs to be prefaced, that I, I agree with the fact that, you know, what is it, the, the saying that if you find something that you love, then, then do it the rest of your life and it'll never be like it's work. Um, right. That's true to a certain degree, but there is work that's involved along with it. Um, right. So I agree with that. And so, you know, if you were to ask me today, am I ever going to retire? I don't know that I ever will retire. Um, but the nice thing about martial arts industry is is it's not something that you have to retire from either. Right. Because um, it, it can be built in a way that you have staff members and you're still collecting, you know, uh, a portion of the, that tuition as a retirement package, if you will, right. on an ongoing basis and not have to right. uh, allow the government just to, to, to pay you what you've paid in, you know, you can go well above and beyond that. And then, obviously, if you have multiple studios, too, that, that's going to factor into those equations. But I just wanted to bring up the fact that a lot of that time that you talked about, meaning that we worked three-fourths of our lives and now we only have a quarter left to enjoy, Listen, what I'm saying is if you're not enjoying right now, um, and I understand peaks and valleys, but I mean overall, if you're not enjoying what you're doing, then you need to go find something else to do and go enjoy it because don't wait for retirement to enjoy stuff, if that makes sense. Yeah, it definitely does. I also, though, think that, you know, it's kind of sad that we live in a world, a society where um, where every single thing, every second of the day, every moment in our lives is equated to dollars and cents. Now, the only way that you could possibly um, be living in a world where that isn't true is if you're selling puka beads on the beach, living in a grass hut or, or stranded on some deserted island, um, but, uh, you know, living off the grid, right? So, like, what people don't realize is, like, every single thing in our lives costs us money. So, and this is relevant to what we're talking about. So, in other words, like, just standing here right now, you and I have the clock ticking in the background of money that we're spending. People might say, well, what are you talking about? You're on a call right now. You're not spending money. But we are. We're paying for that electric that's lighting the room that you're sitting in. You're paying for the Internet that we're talking over. You're paying for the phone service that we're calling in on to go to the phone company so that we could do our conference call, paying for the conference call system, this, the unit, you know, the be live system, whatever the case may be, um, insurance, uh, heat, gas, electric. So those things are always ticking away. So it's really important for people to realize. So I think when people retire, I think sometimes it's not because they don't love what they're doing, but I think the mindset is like, okay, when can I kind of slow down a little? When am I not constantly in that hamster wheel, churning and moving forward, working every single day just to pay the bills, just to survive, right? And um, I think that's why, and not to get political, but that's why the um, the socialist movement is becoming more and more popular, right? Because people would love to just have a very simplified kind of life and not have to work their butts off all day and, and be paid. You know, like they, I think one guy said, uh, you know, one one person was saying that people should be paid a base salary for doing nothing. And if they choose to work, they can. If they choose not to work, they don't have to. Um, and uh, I thought that that was just amazing to hear that people actually felt that way. But uh, anyway, so you want to jump right in and, and talk about, like, some of the things that you need that you have in place that you think people need to do to be able to protect themselves and prepare themselves and so on? 
Yeah, let's talk about the obvious. I mean, uh, first off, is you, 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 I'm sure if you're renting a building or if you own it, one way or another, you need some sort of insurance to cover right. the portion or the parts that you're renting or that you're that you're owning. So you, you you need and you have to have that. The other thing I would say is you need to have insurance on the students that are training with you. You know, right? Uh, that's that's a that's a big one um, to make sure that you have uh, have those things. And and I I don't know about you, but in the state of Illinois, that's got to be done every single year. We got to re-up it every year, those type yep. of things. So you can reevaluate how those work every year. Um, state, the state obviously mandates that you have um, <clears throat> what is it called uh, the coverage for liability and disability. No, 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 the coverage for your own employees that when they get hurt, workman's comp. Well, workman's comp. So, yeah, dis- New York State disability, we call it in, in our area. Where it's still workman's okay, so, comp, though. But that's mandated. You have to do it in most states, if not all yeah. states, anyhow. But that's an insurance. That's something that you have to do in order to protect your assets. Um, yeah. So I would say those those are the obvious ones that you uh, that you need to do. Um, yeah, and then I think, you know, obviously you need to look at uh, retirement for yourself, some sort of monies that will be coming in later. I, again, I, I I don't know that I believe in or agree with being retired, right. but uh, some sort of savings that you can um, pull upon or cash out at some point in time and, and uh, do it as early as possible. Um, you know, obviously if you're 35 and you're just starting a studio and you've never done it before, yeah. uh, late is better than never, uh, but it would have been better if you'd have done it at 18, uh, that yeah. type of thing. So you need to start doing that. And then as a studio owner, you need to, uh, this is protecting, protecting your assets as well. You need to be telling the individuals that are going to, that are working for you uh, full time um, or even part time that want to make a living out of this, that they need to do that as well. They need to be, uh, yeah taking a portion of their income and, you know, whether you have a program through your studio or you, you, uh, you know, point them in the right direction and do it, uh, you know, personally on their own, that, that is vitally important because you don't want them working for you. And then 20 years later or 15 years later, they realize, Oh my gosh, I haven't been doing any of this. And, and right. my, my, my spouse has been doing it uh, yep. at their work and yada, yada, yada. So that would be, I would say the next thing in order to protect your assets, um, would be that, yeah, you know, uh, having some sort of life, shor- life insurance policy on yourself yep. uh, to protect you and your family is going to be vitally important and also your studio and then a will, having a will um, and what happens. Like, so if, you know, I own the studio. My wife doesn't own the studio. So when I die, you know, I have, I have a life insurance policy. I have a will that states on, you know, things that are going to happen. Um, you know, that type of thing happened with the studio. Who, you know, does it go to her? Does it go to somebody else? Those yeah. types of things. Um, well, these are all great. Like, I mean, everything you just said, like I have a list and I wrote down, I quickly typed this morning a whole bunch of things and you covered a bunch of them, which is awesome. And um, yeah, these are things, by the way, that most people put off till tomorrow, right? Like, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I, how many adults in their 50s, I ask them, do you have a will? No, not yet. I'm going to do that later. I'm like, you better do it now because you could die tomorrow, right? And I mean, sadly, this is the case. And most um, most wills have been left undone because people waited till tomorrow and they just happened to die yesterday, right? You know, and uh, so sadly, these are things that we have to put on our priority list. 
And, um, you know, you said life insurance. That's a big one. And it's a big one for many reasons. One, you can have, um, if you're, if you intend to leave your school to a, a student, right? Or you intend to uh, give it to your next in line or someone as a partnership with you that the life insurance covers your spouse or your family and it buys out the, the employee or, or whatever the case may be. You know, the, the business has a life insurance policy on you and that pays off your, partners and and your your parent uh, your your family gets the money there are many ways to do life insurance uh, estate plans wills and by the way uh, a good estate plan if you do it correctly with the right attorney will do all of those things in one the will the estate plan the li- i mean the the will the life insurance it's all wrapped up under the estate plan and there's many different ways to put a trust together an estate where it literally spells out what needs to be done um, in case of death, right? And then also think about it. I mean, sadly, I don't want to bring up morbid stuff, but let's just say myself and my wife or and my, you know, and I'm driving in my car and we get killed, like, you know, both of us, right? So where does where does all of our stuff go? Does that go to our daughter? Does that go to the next person? Like, how is it set up? Does, you don't want to leave it all to your daughter or or your son, and then then your your partner and or the head instructor who's going to run the school, the your your family says, "No, nah, we're not giving it to them. We're going to sell it." Now they're out, right? So there's yep. a lot yep. to think about that is so so important. And and I have to say, I'm in the middle of redoing my entire estate plan, and it is mind boggling. It's like I can feel my head tensing up just thinking about this stuff right now. Because there's so many layers and legalities and, and ways to put these things together to protect it so it's ironclad so that in, God forbid, you do die, the government doesn't take half your money or you don't lose half your real estate and all this other crazy stuff that goes on that people don't think about. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is obviously the death, the, the death tax and, and yeah. you know, how that well, works. The, and so you're, the good news with our president is it's way high now. I think it's like $10 million before it even becomes taxed, right? So right now that's a good one. So the government's not taking a piece of your money. It used to be like a million and two million, and that's easy to do if you have a house and whatever, a life insurance policy. The government's going to start dipping into your savings and take it before your kids even get it. It's sickening. Right, right. Well, uh, the other thing, too, is, uh, and I don't know every state is different, but uh, some sort of uh, um, key man insurance, if you will. So uh, insurance on the, the the head instructor, let's say, if you're not the head instructor of your school and you have somebody that's running, you know, that portion of it, they're, they're a key person in your business. And right. there, was, there was an amount of money that you spent to get them to that level. And, right, and there's going to be an amount of money that you're going to have to spend to get somebody else to that level, right? Uh, if they, you know, prematurely die. So, right. having some sort of insurance policy, having, having the company have some sort of insurance policy on them, and then if they have a family, you know, there could be a, a, a maybe a little bit bigger insurance policy so that the family could actually get something, yeah, um, uh, on him that's paid through the the business because that would be just a perk of of you know working for your company as there's some sort of yeah. insurance policy that. Uh, that, you know, even their family is going to get some money. Yeah, and, you know, it, that's interesting, too, because the, the sad reality, the reason why a lot of people don't do insurance is because it's very expensive, right? You know, you are you could say, hey, uh, I'm going to pay, uh, which I do on my life insurance policy, probably about 3500 to $4,000 a year. I've been doing that for 20 years. That's eighty grand, right? Yeah, the policy is a million, but um, if I didn't have that money, 
to waste or put into this investment. Um, and by the way, I don't do whole life where it has a accrued amount of money. It's just a payout if I die that my daughter gets right. covered. Um, Me too. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, so that – but that's a lot of money, you know. And, I, I mean, I totaled up not too long ago all the insurances that I pay, workman's comp, my building liability, my martial art insurance. I mean, all of it totals like in the 40s. $40,000 range a year. So I'm in that little stupid hamster wheel churning every single day trying to make a living so that I could pay the insurance companies, right? What most people, some people make in a year in their salary, I'm doing that just to stay covered and stay protected, which is kind of sad. Uh, but you, but see, again, we're in a position in our business that, that um, you know, we can dictate our growth. I, I, I really believe that. <clears throat> I know that, you know, some people have a uh, difficulty moving from 25 to 50 and then 50 to right. 75 and 75. You know, right. I, I, I understand that. I'm not saying that it isn't a real thing, um, but, but that's a different topic. You talk about the fact that we can print money in our business. Right. Uh, yeah. Legally, like creating, right. um, uh, you know, products that solve, you know, uh, problems for people. Right. And so we have the ability to be able to do that in our in our business. And so, yes, you have let's say the forty thousand dollars that you have to come up with, but you're making way more than the forty in order to come up with it. Does that make right. sense? Oh yeah, definitely. There's no doubt. Listen, I mean, it, it, there's no doubt that we don't have the greatest opportunities ever. Um, I just I just get annoyed, and I'm being a little negative right now, but I get annoyed at the amount of people, and I don't even mean employees because they deserve it or whoever else we give our paychecks to. I'm talking about outside people who have their hands in our pockets, you know, bureaucrats and politicians and fees and permits and yada, yada, yada. But, you know, one other thing, though um, – that we, I, I had a whole list of like eight different things. Like, what do we worry about within the school um, that we never think of, right? And I had number one. If, if I'm going to kind of go off on a little bit, is like, what, what about our staff, our students, our um, employees becoming our competition? Like, you know, not becoming an owner in our own location or a second franchisee, but those that pick up and just move away and take your clientele with them. Do you have in place a non-compete, non-disclosure form that every employee, no matter whether they were raised in your dojo or not, and, and by the way, I do, and people don't think about this, but I do have this where it's on my actual student waiver. So like, like if I have a student that's 15 years old and they grow up in my school over the next 10 years and then they decide to go out on their own, they've signed a waiver every year that says that it's a non-compete as a student. Because believe it or not, we only worry about, hey, what if our black belts go out and open up a school? But I've had people that were brown and purple belts that decided to self-promote themselves to black belt and open up their yeah. own school. They didn't work for me or anything like that, and I taught them how to be my best competition. Um, right. And uh, then all of a sudden, there they were. And I didn't have a non-compete because they didn't work for me. So now on my actual student waiver, it says it in there, that there is a non-compete, non-disclosure, because after all, we're teaching them everything that we know, not only the arts that they're paying for, but how to run a school, how to teach a class. Maybe sometimes they come in and help us. We teach them how to be helpers. So you have to protect yourself with a non-compete, non-disclosure for everybody who comes through the door. You, you know, underbelts, black belts, and instructors that work for you. That's a big one that we, we don't think about. Yep, yep. 
Yeah. What else you got on your list that we haven't covered yet? Um, I also wrote our students and staff uh, stealing students when they become our competition, right? There's a thing called uh, torturous interference where if you share your databases and share your data with people um, that have access to your computer system, the students' names, address, emails, and phone numbers, um, and then they go out on their own, your data is protected information. It's your own. It's not theirs. They can't go out and start. So there is a legality that says they can't do that. So that non-compete, non-disclosure protects against them stealing the database. But you should also, that's why the non-disclosure is so important, because you they shouldn't be taking your information and accessing it. I had that recently happen to me with a competitor, a student left and went out on his own, and he took all my mailing lists and went out and uh, and contacted all my students, not just from my the school that he taught at, but the both schools, because he had access to the databases. And he went out and marketed, offered half-price discounts, told them he'd promote them because I made them wait, you know, things like that. And um, so that's important is to make sure that our students, our staff, and um, are not stealing from you when they leave, right, that they're not taking over. Um, one other thing, too, and this is sad. Should I go on to one other one, Dwayne, or you want to? Yeah, go for it. Go for it. Number three, I wrote, um, uh, are employees stealing from us? And there are many levels of theft. And, and I know this sounds negative, right? Oh, well, they wouldn't do that. They're great people. Well, I understand, but everybody will surprise you and shock you when they stoop to their lowest level, right? That's so. Right. um so uh, there are many levels of theft. The first one being the most widely abused level of theft in the entire world is theft of time, right? They clock in before they get there. They clock out way, way after they had stopped working, right? They, um, they show up late and they say, hey, Dwayne, I'm going to be late. Can you check me in so I don't get in trouble? Clock me in. You know, there are many ways that people steal time. Another great big way of stealing time is just sitting at your desk when you're supposed to be working. I had an employee not too long ago, well, a little while ago, about a year and a half ago, where I walked up and they were watching YouTube cat videos. I said, what are you doing? And they said to me, I'm watching videos on cat, cat videos on YouTube. I said, are you not getting paid right now? Oh, yeah, I am. Why? I'm not, shouldn't be watching cat videos, like sarcastically, like almost like fire me and uh, it took me about another week or two before I actually did, but that kind of mindset, like are they being paid to do a job and not doing it? Theft of time. Right. You know, maybe printing up copies on your copy machine. Use your toner on your printer to print out copies for their kids' high school project. Taking paper clips and sticky notes or whatever home with them. There's so many ways that we could lose a lot of money without wa- when we don't watch. Um, and uh, I had an employee who quit many, many years ago, and um, – they gave me a two weeks notice and they said, told me on a Thursday they were giving me a two weeks notice and they were staying till Friday, which was tomorrow, the next day. I said, that doesn't quite equal two weeks, by the way. But when I said, no, it's okay. Today could be your last day. And I kind of hung around and then they left and I said, just give me your keys and you're all done. Well, lo and behold, 500 full color copies on the copy machine because I didn't give her a chance to go back and get them. She didn't think I would see for her new job, for the management manual of the new job that she's been searching for. Then when I went to her history, while working for me, she was sending out her resume, sending out her, you know, going on Indeed and looking for a job. So I paid her literally for weeks to find a job to replace, replace my job. And then she printed her manual out to be able to go to that job. Can you imagine? So those are things that we have to be really careful of. And um, I'm not saying be negative and be distrusting, but just be, protect your you know, be like a be like a professional company would be and protect you yourself and what goes on. Any other thoughts? No, I mean I absolutely agree with that. 
I yeah. wholeheartedly agree with that. You know, that's unfortunate that it even happens, but it, it is. And when you had taught, you know, brought up about, you know, protecting your assets as a call, I wasn't even thinking about uh, those things. Although, um, you know, I was thinking about the fact that every, every studio should have cameras um, so that you can monitor what's going on inside of your studio yeah. to protect your, uh, uh, well, to protect your assets, but to protect everything, you know, um, you know, whether somebody's stealing money out of the cash drawer, because uh, that's something, too. You know, you got to count. The drawer has, like we have, the drawer has to be counted every single night, and we have two individuals that have to, uh, two different people that have yeah. to count it every night. Right. Um, they would they would both have to be in cahoots, yeah. if that makes sense. But they're yeah. the, the consistent ones that do it every single night. <clears throat> and then um, by the end of the week or the following Monday, whichever it is, I go in and I collect all of it, and then I print up the, the you know, from Spark, I print up the report how much right. cash should be in there for that week. Right. And then I count it. And awesome. I know those two people that I have to go to if it isn't there. Yeah. Well, that's great that you said that because I wrote down my number four one was abuse of trust. Right. So we trust people. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm terrible that way. Like I trust everybody. I don't know why I'm not trusting after 54 years of being on the planet and being screwed umpteen <laughs> times, a million times. Like, I, when I ran a landscape construction business, check this out, my best friend, high school friend, that was my, my guitar tech in my band, my roadie in my band, and all this stuff. We hung out. Um, you know, our girlfriends were best friends. Lo and behold, one day he finally takes a vacation, right? So it's a two-week vacation. After week one, I start getting phone calls like, hey, this is Mr., uh, you know, whatever, Jones, where are you? And I'm like, um, I-, I call him back. I'm sorry, sir, we'll be there. Like, I'm like going like, why am I not at Mr. I'm checking my lists. I don't have a client by the name of Mr. Jones. Another one comes up. Mr. Smith, where are you? It's been two weeks. You know, what's going on? So I go, I'm come, let me have your address. I'm sorry, I don't have it with me. Let me have it. I'm going to shoot out to your house. It turns out that my best friend was for years servicing like 10 different clients on my time with my employees, with my trucks, my equipment, my fertilizer, and going and cutting the lawns and getting paid every month in cash. For years, my best buddy did this to me. And there was tens of thousands of dollars that he made. And when I told him, he's like, right. well, what do you expect? You know, I, I want to, I need to get ahead in life. That was like his justification. Like, like you never came to me and said, Hey, I'd love to make more money or how can I make more money? Or can I get a client on my own? Or, you know, I probably would have said, do it, you know, keep it. Let me work with you. Right. So, right. so abusive trust and also people telling us what we want to hear. Like for instance, I'd call up and say, I think I'm going to take the night off and I'd have a program manager. Uh, it was a woman. She'd go, yeah, yeah, we got it covered. You go and do that. You deserve the night off. And then I got, I caught on to the fact that they just didn't want me to be there because then they didn't have to work. So I would watch from my monitor. I'd watch, I'd sneak in, I'd show up without being in the, where, where, where are they though? They were out in their car taking a break and yada, yada, yada. So they tell us what we want to hear so that we feel comfortable about not coming in or taking that night off. Meanwhile, they're just buying themselves some time so that they could slack off and do whatever they feel like doing. So another thing is be careful of that abuse of trust, like just trusting blindly. Always check. Always verify. Always make sure not to say that you should be um, paranoid. But you should be paranoid enough to just be able to check your systems to be able to know that things are not being taken, stolen, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Well, you have to inspect what you expect. And if you expect Absolutely. them to be there and doing work, then then you have to make sure that they're in there doing work. Right. Do you have that like in your – do you have like a list of checklist of things to do and 
Like, because I've had a checklist of things to do, and they like to check the boxes, thinking that's all. But now I had to check to see if the actual work was done. You called Mister. You called Master uh, Brummett. Oh, you did. Okay, great. And then I call. Hey, hey, Dwayne, did did my staff call you? No, they never call me. I'm like so and so. You checked it off and said you called Master. Br- oh, oh, did I check that off? I, I meant to check. You know, like it's like the minute you hold them accountable, but you got to do that on a regular basis to really stay on top of people. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I uh, this was probably, a, I think I told you, but it was probably three months ago or something, but I had a staff member leave 10 minutes early. and I You just, told me that. Yeah, I just happened to, they were supposed to be off at noon. They, they left at 11.50. And I just happened to look on the monitor, uh, called it up on my phone, looked, and because I, I don't know why, I just felt like I needed to. And yeah. it was a couple minutes to noon and everything was shut off so i i I called him and i'm not going to get into the lengthy story but but basically there was no reason and and he just thought he could do it type thing and i and that's the trust thing so when we had i wrote him up and we had a conversation about trust and um you know i i just just was like you know do you realize how much i trust you and i'm putting my business and my family's livelihood in your hands. Right. Um, and you did this because you were angry at me or whatever. You know, we went through, I'm not going to air it on, uh, you know, yeah. and, you know, put this out on the, on, on the internet to embarrass anybody. But um, I had to follow up and I just had a, a little nudge that was like, get on yeah. and look. And, and sure enough, yeah, it's absolutely true. I mean, so that abuse of trust is a big thing. Now, some people may be listening to this call and saying, well, I don't have employees. I don't have, you know, anybody. Well, um, that trust, like, for example, in my school, um, we do gun disarms. So I have these air pellets guns, right, that you pop it back and you shoot and a burst of air comes out. They're really made for pellet guns to shoot BBs and pellets. Well, I used to have like 40 of them. You know how I many I have left? Like five. <laughs> You know, because, you know, a, a teenager, I'm sure, saw it in the closet. They, you know, they walked in and pretended they forgot their stuff and stuffed one in the bag. And I've had um, instructors where uh, later on in life that they've opened up their own dojos. And then I see a picture because I'm snooping around and I see a picture of them at their dojo with my custom Tompa. Like I'm the one who designed this Tompa, uh, a weapon that was made by me, a certain color. And I see a rack of them on the back. Mine all disappeared, but they have a rack of these Tompas that they can only buy from me behind them. So you go like, wow, what is that trust factor? And you got to be really careful. Um, you know, it's something that we have to be aware of, not to be pessimistic in any way, shape or form, but uh, it's important that we stay on top of it. How about rules of dating? And um, uh, interaction with other parents or a student dating a student or a black belt dating one of your students or a um, or a black belt of yours dating one of the parents or that kind of thing. Do you have stuff in place for that? Yeah, we do. And, and it's it's uh, if there's a non dating policy unless you uh, have a discussion with me, basically. And then and then I will case by case basis. You know, I I found my wife through the studio. My head instructor right. found his his wife through the studio. So right. I, I would be a hypocrite to say that, that you can't do it or it doesn't happen. Um, but I just want to be, uh, I want to be uh, the one that's told about it. And it's not, I'm not, I don't hear it through anybody else. And, you know, I have another, I have another kid who is dating somebody right now. 
Um, you know, he's one of my second degree black belts and this other person that he's dating, she's probably about a year away from black belt. But, um, and, and I think that they're going to end up together. You know what I mean? Um, right. There was, there was this, a great, uh, conversation we had back and forth prior to it happening. And he's the one that brought it up to me and said, Hey, look, I, I've been hanging out with, you know, this group of friends and she's part of this group and, you know, we've been hitting it off and, you know, I'd like to date her, but I know that, you know, I work for you and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, Hey, look, let's, let's, uh, thank you. Let's proceed now. And, and, okay. you know, the worst thing, and I told him, I said, the worst thing happens to me is I lose both of you because of a breakup. Right. You know, that type of and thing. That, and, and I don't want that often, to happen. Quite often that happens, right? Like, so, like, I had one of my black belts get get together with one of my other black belt women, men and women, obviously, um, in this particular situation. Not like there's anything <laughs> wrong with it. Um, but um, but uh, then they ended up getting married. And they were married for about two years. Then they got mm-hmm. divorced. And then I lost one of them because the other one stayed. But the other one couldn't stay because the dojo, the school, reminded them of them meeting and all that. So I lost a really great black belt. Um, because they decided to date, I lost uh, a student. So um, I, I get it, but it's it's a pain in the butt. So what about also? Do you have like a rule for um, like dating up or dating down? Like I know that I remember going to a seminar once, and they said students can date up, but they like in other words, like a brown belt could date a a black belt, but only if it's approved by that person. Or, or they, they can never date down because sometimes they're like, oh, I didn't get promoted. This is the reason why I didn't get promoted is because we were dating and now I'm not and I never got my belt. Like there's certain really crazy things mm. that could come up because of this. So No, I don't have that. That mine is just age based. You know, that's the only thing. Right. Uh, it's just right. it's just age based with regards to the the whole dating thing. Okay, <laughs> cool. How about um how about rules for conduct for the instructors? Like this in this day and age, it's kind of crazy where um everything is on social media. I had one guy that I had to uh talk to multiple times. He was one of my main instructors where um whenever we had family dojo related gatherings and there was alcohol, like a, let's say it was a sweet sixteen for a student and he was invited or they were invited and, and they were having the party and there was alcohol, he would get trashed out of his mind, act like a fool, taking the mic from the DJ singing songs. It's like it really made the dojo look bad. Uh, uh, fun, funny as it may sound, though, some of the parents thought it was cute and funny, and I was, like, embarrassed beyond oh, about absolutely. it. And, you know, and they would go, oh, yeah, they would talk about it, but yet they became his best buddy because they wanted someone to drink with, right? But I had said, listen, if you, if you do this one more time, I'm going to have to fire you, and I ended up having to get rid of that person. So do you have conduct, like, for 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 that kind of stuff, for social media, like what they post? You know, they're not posting you know, rude and lewd pictures on the internet or talking, you know, a video of them, you know, getting drunk. I, I, that same person, pictures of them drunk at a party, you know, with beer pong and beer all over the place. Like it just didn't meet our image where I would think parents would be embarrassed to say that that's my instructor, where most of these parents didn't even care, which made it more shocking to me where like, I'm like, wow, they, they let them slide. But if it were me, boy, let me tell you, they'd probably hold me to the grind, right? But um, but if it was them, they got away with it. So what is your policy? Do you have policies for that? We have, yeah, I have a, a I would say a minor policy, if you will, with regards to conduct outside of the school. But there's still there, there's still a representation of of the company. So whether it's via social media or just interaction, you know, 
uh, in a group or, or one-to-one, whatever. Um, yeah, there, there's a, there's a policy that, that, that covers that. I would say I don't really, uh, any of the parties that we have, there's no alcohol there. Um, not right. because I, I, I believe that you shouldn't have a drink. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, but we, it, I just find that, that if it's not there, then it's not a problem. Um, right. You know, so that's the first thing. The second thing is I don't have a lot of that, and, and I don't mean it to sound this way. This sounds bad when I say it. Um, so forgive me. I just don't know how else to say it. I, I've not ever really had any real problems with any of that, and, and I would – I'm trying to – Try not to sound better or holier than thou, but I run a Christian martial arts school, so it's very right. far and few between that I have those type of problems, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, that's great. It's, it's not to say that they wouldn't be there if I didn't. I'm just saying that we, we don't have a lot of those yeah. um, right. issues. Good. Now, have have I had some uh, uh, former students or even current students that uh, have – I see some stuff on their wall – Right. Yeah, but but they're not the image of of TriStar because they're not working for me. If that makes sense. Right. Well, I do like um like you know I I have a, a good friend who's a head of HR for a major company and they um they any kind of open social media like if you have an open Facebook page, the company is allowed, especially in New York State, to go on that page. And if you're drunk, you know shooting heroin, robbing a bank, you know, whatever the case may be, something that's just not conducive with you, what you do at your location you could, or your business, you could fire the person for that. So this is why maybe when people get hired or, you know, even if they were a student of yours for many, many, many years, um, because I, you don't know people like you think you do. Like, you know, I, right. I had a girl, a girl that trained with me for many years, a really very good-looking woman, um, very reputable, great person, um, but I didn't know she was a stripper by night, you know. So, like, when on social media she started to show those photos of her at certain clubs and things like that, and I'm like, listen, as my student, I'm going to either have to kick you out or ask you to have a private page, right? If your personal public page, it needs – because our parents – are knowing you and students are knowing you and they're going to your page and it doesn't look like I'm promoting the right thing, right? So it's very important that rules of conduct be explained to the staff, your team, and say, if you're going to put stuff up, political affiliations and, you know, whatever the case may be, it has to be on a private page. In fact, I I get people all the time that I, I get resumes from to work for me and I search them on social media and I'm, I'm shocked by, what they put out there, you know, them smoking pot. I'm like, I'm not hiring you. You're 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 on there with a joint in your hand, you know, wasted out well, of your mind. You want me to hire you? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is well, two things. One is not all of my staff are 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 believers. I don't. Not all right. of my staff are Christians. Right. Um, so I, I I wanted to state that because I I don't want people to think that I only hire people that are that are you know believers. The other thing is though, um, a lot of those. Like I had one individual one time that was working for me. I got wind that uh, this was years ago. I got wind that they were, um, you know, using drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was well before social media was a big thing. So I, I have always had a drug and alcohol policy, but what I did not have is random testing policy. Right. So as soon as I implemented a random testing policy, and I didn't even issue any tests that person uh, immediately found another job. Right. There you go. You know, so I didn't have to deal with any of that. And I'm, I'm certain, like I had another student that um, 
wanted to come back, and, and, and they even told me they came back for a little bit, and they said, I, 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 I've been doing, been smoking weed, I've been, you know, doing some drugs, and there's stuff on my Facebook, and he even said to me, he goes, I, I just, I felt like I had to clean myself up before I came back, which I felt bad yeah. that he felt like that. Yeah. Um, because that's, I don't even know that that's the, the persona that I give, but I think it's the respect that he had for me. Because he right. started with me when he was three years old. And right. so, um, you know, it was one of those things. So I think if you're, if you're putting out that type of, you know, standard that, you know, look, this is, this is how we act. This is how we do it. And again, it's not to say that I don't think that you, you, you can't have a drink or yeah. that you shouldn't have a drink, you know, but I just think it's the persona that you give. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, you know, later on, obviously, I didn't know that I had to have policies and procedures in place. Yeah. I just I just figured all of my students were going to, you know, do as you do in Rome. You just follow, you know, right, right, yeah. I had to find out that you had to start implementing these things yeah, yeah, in order exactly. to protect your assets. <laughs> yep. What about, um, and this is down the same pathway, like rules with uh, contact with students. Like, for example, if you're an instructor in my school, well, by the way, in my school, we don't have a locker room. We have individual changing rooms, but we have an area that's a common area where people put their gear and their shoes and their jackets, right? And then if they have to change, they go in an individual mall-style changing room. So I could have men and women changing simultaneously because they're in these private rooms. Um, and then, uh, But I don't allow the parents in the room with the kids, right? So I say to the parents, listen, um, Master Brummett, I get it. It's your child. You want to help them get ready. If you need to do that, you can go into the bathroom with them. The reason being, and I'll give you a little wink and a nod, and I'll say the reason why I don't allow parents in here is because for your child, we don't know the other parents either, right? So these parents don't know you. You don't know the other parents. So we keep the parents out of this area. That's one thing. We also have a policy in our school where our instructors are not allowed to pick up and hold and hug and that kind of thing. You know, it's a really like a no-touch policy other than a pat on the back, a high five, you know, that kind of thing. Um, we also have a policy where I don't like it when I hear, and I, and I always reprimand and tell them, listen, it's not good behavior, we won't do it, where I hear that an instructor may go and hang out privately with a family and their kids, you know, and that, that to me is very uncomfortable. I just recently, in our area, we had an issue where one of uh, a karate instructor's um, main instructor was arrested because he ended up doing a private lesson at the school, driving the young girl home. She claimed that he tried to touch her breasts and said, let's have sex, and got, a, got arrested for it. And, um, you know, he claims it's not true. It's still in court, but these type of things can be eliminated if you say, don't do it. You're not allowed to do it. If I hear of it, you're fired immediately. And it's a good policy that the parents know this, too. If they say, hey, can, can you drive my son home? No, I can't. You know, and, and I have a kid in my East Islip location where sometimes they're late. The parents are late, like a half an hour late. And everyone is left, and it's just this little teenager and me in the building. And I'm waiting for them to show up. And I said, there's a bunch of reasons why this is not good. One is that we're alone, and I don't like that. I don't feel comfortable, even though we have camera systems and all that. And second is I'm waiting around for you to pick up. I'm not a babysitter, but the conduct is just not proper. So that's something that we're very stringent on. I don't want, you know, that whole huggy, feely, carry the kids yep. around. You know, I see it at dojos, and I cringe sometimes. The kids jump up and wrap their legs around the instructor. It doesn't matter, girl, guy, girl to girl, you know, young little girl with a bigger girl. I, I just think that it's just wrong. Like it shouldn't be done. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah. With, if there's hugging, we do sideway hugs. 
Okay. Yeah, martial art hug, shoulder to shoulder. It's a sideways hug. Uh, yeah. We, we obviously we do private lessons, but they're never private. Right. So a parent has to be there, or there'll be other individuals out on the floor. Now I do my private lessons on Fridays, anyways. I think right. when I showed you Spark, uh, I, I showed away. you our private lessons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so th- there's there's five or six students on the floor at a time. They're just privately with a right. with an instructor. an instructor. So it's a one. Right. It's more of a one-on-one lesson, but it's not private. Um, right. If that makes sense. So we totally. But, but that's a policy for. Um, our our uh, staff is you can never be alone with a student and yeah. if if you need to talk to a student alone then you do it in the front office where the the window is there right you know right. so that people can see but but really we try to even avoid that we want the parent if it's a if it's a minor we want the parent to be there yeah. during a uh, a conversation with that student so that there's always there's no he say she say that type of stuff yeah. Exactly, um, and and yeah, and that's part of our, that's in our policy and procedures, even with our students when they come in, so that they learn the fact that you know our private lessons aren't private, that if there needs to be a conversation privately, it will be done with, uh, you know, the parent, in the room and or potentially another instructor in the room for yeah. uh, for the safety uh, of everyone. Right, right, yeah. So th- yeah, that that's important, and I think that. Um... And I, I don't know. I'm really nervous about telling you this, and it has nothing to do with me. But one of my good friends, and, and you'll understand why, because I'm not really sure it's something that I, I was. I'm nervous about promoting this as a as a thing that would be out there in public. But my one student, who's a, my partner in the website business, sent me this website and said, "Oh my God, you're not going to love it." And there's a web website out there called The Truth About Martial Arts. Now, the person who made this website must have been hurt really badly some way, some shape, or form. Um, their child must have been molested or raped or abused. And then they have this entire website. Have you ever seen it or heard about it? And I think you've told me about it before. Yeah. And it literally talks of over – there's over 600 cases listed with the names of the people and what school they worked at and where they worked and how they got arrested and how many years in prison they're doing for raping, um, you know, for pedophilia, for all this crazy kind of abusive kind of stuff within the sexual conduct within a martial arts school. Now, 600 is nothing, you know, but it's still 600 more than it should ever be, right? But 600 is nothing compared to in New York State, we have 14,000 martial arts schools, and this is 600 spread throughout the entire United States. I think some of it even goes into Canada. Um, but... um so, so in my school, like I'm, I walk a parent through and I do a tour and I say, this is our locker room. These are the reasons why we have individual changing rooms. Oh, by the way, when your kid, if they start training here, you're not allowed to be in this area. And these are the reasons why. And you know what? I get smiles. I, I, people are like, I love that. I go, yeah, we have cameras everywhere the kids train. There might be an area where he could run off to the corner. He's a little off camera, but there are no rooms that they're allowed to go into that you're not watching at the moment, right? You could see each and everything that we do at all times, right? So cameras are important. Recording what goes on at your school, very, very important. Knowing that you don't have hidden little cubbies and, you know, because, listen, crazy things happen where it's just, 
a, a crazy teacher is tying a belt and he's touching the child inappropriately, right? Sometimes, though, I do admit that maybe that's just a misunderstanding and misinterpretation of it, which could be that, you know, he's tying the belt and the kid was like, oh, he put his hand near my butt or whatever. You know, some things are blown out of proportion, but the safer you are, the better you are to protect yourself. Well, yeah, I happened to fill in uh, last week, I think it was, and I was teaching the the the, the there was this wife and her husband that was there and I was doing a line drill and divided things up and I just happened to have them in my line. Well, she was working on this, the roundhouse kick and I was showing her with her arm and I had grabbed her. I was going to grab her arm to show her where to go. Well, she had moved her arm up when I went to grab it. Right. And so my fingertips actually went on her chest uh-huh. a little bit as I pulled her arm where it needed to go. And she didn't make a big deal about it. Of course, that was in the back of my head the whole rest of the class. Yeah, yeah, After yeah. and at the end of the class, I just pulled her aside and said, look, I, I just want you to know that I'm, 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 I'm sorry. And I right. realized what I did. And she's like, well, what did you do? I said, remember when I did, I grabbed your arm and, and I had to, re-. she goes, I have five kids. I didn't even, that didn't even register on me. I said, yeah, I'm, I'm, but I want you to know it registered for me. Right. And that wasn't, and she said, I appreciate you, you know, saying that, yeah, and blah, yeah, blah, yeah. blah, 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 that type of thing. Well, so just even awesome. confronting that type of thing head yeah. on is vitally, I mean, vitally yeah. important to do. Right. Yeah, I had to fire a, a, a student that was a junior instructor at one point because he started dating, with the permission of the parents, a younger student. So they were like 21 and she was like 17, or she was, they were 20 and she was 17, um, so, but the parents were okay with it. I'm like, I'm not okay with it. Right. You know, so, and by the way, I'm on this website now. It's a lot less than what I thought It's like 323 martial art teachers guilty of sexually abusing minors in the United States. And there's many more, I'm sure. Um, and by the way, some of this stuff too is, uh, well, a wait, 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 do- did you, wait, did, what was that? You said accused or convicted? Yeah. Well, it said accused and this one said accused of, right. So in okay. this particular okay. article. But then there are, they do list all the uh, convictions as well. 323 guilty is not the total number. 323 is the number of guilty cases confirmed. So these are people that actually did time. Um, So even if you double it or triple it, um, because that's probably the accusation is probably double or triple. Yeah, there's a, yeah. That, I remember looking on um, a site locally about sexual predators, and you could see the dots in my township. There's a site designed where you could look, and a lot of these people. I'm, and I'm not playing this down in any way, shape, or form because if it ever happened to my daughter, God forbid, if anything ever happened bad to her for the person that did it. Um, but um, but at the same time, uh, you know, sometimes it's like the, this kid is eight, seventeen, and he's dating a fifteen-year-old, and then he becomes eighteen. And she's 16, and then the parents now don't like him, so they they get him in trouble. And now he's technically dating a minor, right, where they've been dating for two years. Like, how does that happen? It's a weird kind of – there's got to be some sort of play to that law. But anyway, without with all of that being said, we just have to be careful. We have to set things in place, be very careful of what we do and um, what goes on because, you know, listen, this is your life. My Yeah, my – yeah, your livelihood. My uh, my cousin, my aunt, died last week, and so mm-hmm. this weekend and stuff we had the, the wake and the funeral and what have you. So at the funeral, no, at the wake on Sunday, um, my cousin she she lives down in Danville, and she's like, I'd like to get my son into martial yeah. arts, and and she goes, I just don't know, you know, what to do. And her biggest thing, her biggest worry, 
is molestation. Right. That's her biggest worry. And I said, well, you know, but here's some things you need to do. Obviously, you need to meet the people that are teaching your kid. Um, you know, is style important? Yeah, maybe. But the most important thing is that your, your kid clicks with that instructor, right? right? Or instructor. Right, right, right. The other thing is, I said, I would ask them, what, what are your policies with regards to private lessons? Are they private or is it just a one-on-one -on -one lesson? Right, um, right. Can parents watch what's going on on the floor, whether they're, you know, see it through a video camera or they're, they're, they can see it over the wall? You know, what is, what is their policy with regards to that? You know, what is their policy with being alone with a student? And uh, so I went through a list of different things that she needs to ask this own, these owners. And, I, and she would tell, told me about a studio that uh, it's a husband and wife team. I said, well, personally, that sounds pretty good, actually. Uh, right. Unless both of them are whacked. You know, it's hard, it's, it, statistically, yeah. it's hard for one to be whacked and the other one not to know it. You know what right. I'm saying? Right. Not that it doesn't happen, but yeah. Yeah, but it's crazy, though, and you never know, and that's the reason why, like, one of our people who are listening, my student, actually, his name is Frank Burgess from Bermuda, he runs the Bermuda Dojo, he said, uh, that happened to me, yes, uh, not not good to be the last one in one person regardless, never thought about it if the person did accuse how it would go, um, was just being kind, but what do you do when it does happen? Parents, for whatever reason, show up late so that they can't get others to wait with you. And I wrote, yeah, or tell them they're not allowed to be late and leave children with you. Um, but another thing you can do is step outside into public and wait. Like in Bermuda, it's warm out, you know, it's, it's not raining, you know, go, you know, you bring them up, you lock up and you wait there in front of the building um, with the child, right? Like I, I well, have I that. Have a we have a policy that that uh, if there we the the other instructor or program director whoever it is um, can't leave until right. that person is picked up. So we always have two individuals. Right. It's never one person. However, and what we have to stay in camera view. You have and and I tell right. them this is like our our front viewing area. You have to stay in that front viewing area with that person. Right. Can't be anywhere else with them. But what do you do? Like, for example, I have one instructor with no program manager at my East Isop location, and they actually have to leave at 7.05 to make it back to my other school to teach a kickboxing class at 7.30. Just recently, he wasn't feeling well. I said, go get yourself a hot cup of tea and go rest for a few minutes before you teach. And I finished the classes. That kid's parents didn't show up for 40 minutes. They called. Oh, my God, I'm so sorry. We're stuck in trap, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, uh, I, if, if it were him, he would have missed his kickboxing class because he couldn't leave the kid. Right. And he couldn't right. lock up and go and move on. So it's like sometimes people don't realize how bad it is. But but it's it's something that we have to be aware of. I have a well, few but others. That's the parent, but that's the parent that you approached. Right. And said, that, right. You know, hey, look, this can't happen. Here's why. I think. Exactly. It, and I think what I would have done is I would have said, you know, I would have said that to them on the phone. And I would have said, do you mind if we just stay on the phone until you get here? Because yeah. that protects your child. Not that I'm a creep. But it also gives you the peace of mind that your child is protected because it's hard for yeah. you to do anything to your child while. Yeah, exactly. I think parents are so trusting, and I love that they are because we can't live in a world of paranoia. But at the same time, we have to put systems like I love that they're in camera view. You have the camera on. You're sitting in the lobby. The camera's on the whole time. You have nothing to worry about. So that's important. But what you could do is put the, put the, put the kid on the phone and let right. the child talk to their parent the whole time. Yeah, right. That's yeah, what you I know. do. It is a hard one, right? It's a tough one. So real quick, I mean, I know we tried, we're almost at it. Let me quickly rattle off six more things that I had. 
So setting up your school for safety with cameras and rules that apply to the students we just talked about. Number two, making sure that there, there are off-limit areas for parents. That's my locker rooms, right, and the students as well. So the parents of another child don't mix with another parent's child who, who they're a stranger to. Uh, number three, sitting areas within the school um, and knowing how um, to conduct themselves. So, for example, let's say um, uh, the class ends and I have these benches and the kids are, their parents are not there yet. Like I say, they have to sit on the benches, right? I have some parents that want me to allow their kids to look out the door and walk out in the parking lot by themselves. And I said, no, you're going to sit on that bench because, number one, I need to know that you got to your parent. So you're not going to just wander around. God forbid you get swept up in the crowd and he's a six-year-old and he's running through the parking lot. I once had a kid, no joke, run out of their parent's hand. I have a very busy four-lane road in front of my school. Run through traffic, cars zipping by at like 50 miles an hour like God was watching them, I swear. The kid ran <laughs> to the middle and, and, and just stopped and like avoided like – 30 oncoming cars and the parents like, Oh my God. And then like I ran out and grabbed this kid. So I have rules in place so that will never happen. And if a parent doesn't like it, like I have a mom, she's so lazy, dude. I, I get so upset. Uh, the phone will ring. Uh, yeah, Sean, it's me. Uh, yeah, I'm in the parking lot. Send him out. Like, can you just get out of your car and come in and get your own kid? You're going to call me. I got to run to the phone and answer it so that I could now walk your child out. Sometimes people just don't get it. Right. So have have a system in place, um, you know, where the parents go and so on in the sitting areas, rules for talking on the floor. Um, if they have an open area where, you know, like let's say the parents get to sit and watch the class in this open area, what right. they're allowed the volume to do. Yeah. yeah what, no phone calls like, yeah, oh, buddy, what's going on? You know, like cursing. Some parents don't realize oh, they just gosh, curse. Yeah. You know, um, and uh, and also knowing that uh, they shouldn't be going like straighten up and fix your belt, Johnny. I'm like, I, I can handle this, you know, that kind of thing. Um, you know, uh, rules for footwear on the floor, barefoot, you know, washing their feet if it is barefoot, making sure they come in with toenails clipped and making sure if they're wearing their shoes that we have a thing called tabby ninja split toe shoes that they can't wear them in the parking lot to drag in glass and broken debris and <laughs> so that they have to wear them just for class. Um, uniform rules and making sure that they have an exact uniform the way you want it, especially the way you want it only. Um, oh, I'm sorry, I left it. It's in the wash today. Well, they're not allowed to train. You got one chance on this. You can't do it more than once, okay? Like that kind of thing, trying to be nice to the parents but not pissing them off. And, well, um, that's our three-strike uh, policy that I, I've yeah. talked to you about before. Yeah. Right. Um, and that that's really it. Uh, the one last thing is I want to leave is that people should start thinking about a successor plan. Like, God forbid – you die, I die, or whatever, who's going to take over? Or is your entire school just going to implode and close down and right. disappear? So, like, who can get it? Like, and make sure that you're – I know this is morbid, and my daughter doesn't even want me to talk about it, but I said, listen, if I die, it's on my computer. It says what to do in case I die. And I literally have 17 pages and silly stuff, like – you know, things that she wouldn't think of, like I have a gun collection. Like, do you, what do you do with those? You have to turn them in right away. If then, you know, And you also should give them to my buddy. He's in Virginia. Tell him to come and pick them all up, and then we'll transfer them to him. You know, but they're valuable, too. They're not, like, you know, worth a few dollars each. So it's probably like five or six grand worth of my gun collection. Then I have collector swords. If people don't know this stuff, they might take your, your favorite you know, Super Bowl ring that they don't even care about Super Bowl and just give it away to their friend when it could be worth thousands upon thousands of dollars. And right. 
Right. You know, so you got to spell this stuff out for people. And I know it sounds morbid, but like even videotaping things and showing what they are for insurance purposes or whatever the case may be, you need to start to get this together. It's basically self-defense for yourself, right? Like not martial arts self-defense, but, you know, self-defense in case you die, you know, protecting your family and so on, if that makes any sense. Well, and that's what this whole call is, is, you know, protecting your assets and your assets yep. are are multifaceted. It's not just uh, financial, um, uh, although most of it boils down to becoming financial anyways, but right. in totality, uh, protecting all of those things. And of course, we probably could have done another hour, two hours uh, and get more oh, in depth yeah. or, or, or broaden the topic and then get more in depth with other things. But I think this gives everybody at least an overview of right. things that they should be looking at to protect themselves and their business and, and, and their livelihood after they, you know, uh, unfortunately, uh, pass on. Yep, absolutely. You know, I jokingly and, okay. say this, although it's true. I say we're all going to die. I'm just going to try to make it the last thing that I do. Yeah, exactly. Hey, Dwayne, I got to say one thing to you. I just want you to know this, and I know you. You know, I've done this before to you, but I appreciate everything that you do. I like. I appreciate your friendship, um, and I appreciate us spending this call together. Even though you're in in Illinois and I'm in New York. Um, but not many people have this in their lives, you know, like they, you know, they, they're always that one individual on an island all by themselves. So I think school, school owners should um, shoot for this type of relationship that you and I have and maybe not start a blog and compete with us or whatever it may be. Right. But, uh, <laughs> but at the same time, like take that time. Like if you, I meet with so many of my friends, like in face to face, like Wednesday morning, I meet with my two buddies who I run a tournament with tomorrow. I meet with my other buddy. You and I meet after I meet with my friends. So, like, I have this interaction, which is really, really cool with people that I admire and I respect. And life is too short not to have that. So I just want you to know that um, I appreciate that. And, and I, it's great being with you and talking to you and sharing with you because I don't know what I would do without it. You know, like, I don't know what, you know, I learned so much. And uh, I think it's a cool thing. So thank you. My pleasure. And I I will say that I am not good at showing my appreciation like you are. I wish I was better at that um, because I heard a phrase, uh, what you appreciate, appreciates. Yeah. Yeah, that's like the Kiss song that I love. And he says, you know, when you listen to music, actually hear it. When you eat, actually taste it. There's a whole bunch of things like in succession that he says in this one verse. And it was just that, like being in the moment. It's very Zen-like, right? Like we have to yeah. realize where we're at. I hope that one day... Um, when, if and ever I, um, pass on when I, I probably will live forever, you know, it, it, you know, I, but, uh, if, and when that happens, I hope people just say, Hey, you know, he was a really decent guy. He, he kind of cared about people. He worked hard to be a good person. Yeah. He didn't always succeed. Some people hate him, but, um, uh, the majority of people I hope think that, you know, I, I lived an admirable life and, uh, and did the right thing. And that's really what I'm, that I strive for in this part of my life. This is what my goal is. Yeah, and I, if I could say this, and, and I, I sound like I'm only saying it because you appreciated me, um, I think what I, I, I like best about, or one of the things I like best about our relationship is that when I'm having a problem or whatever it is, you know, like I can, I can text you and I can call you and, yeah. and, and, and you're there for me, um, where, I, you know, there's not a lot of, and I, there's not a lot of other um, individuals in my life that I I have that with, um, wow. because sometimes we are on an island, 
um, as yeah. owners, whether we are a school owner or not, we are on an island, and there's not a lot of people that understand what we're going through when we're going through it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, yeah, people can be compassionate, but they also – I don't always – I don't know that I always need somebody to listen to me as much as I need somebody to go, yeah, I hear you, and this is what you should do. Right, right, right. I hear you. You know, exactly. And, and you give me that, and I appreciate that. Um, yeah. Although I've, I've vented from time to time, but I'm not a, a venting person. I, I want to, I want to just solve the problem so that I can move forward and forget about right. it. Right, right, right. And so, I do it with you as well. You listen to me when I've had things. I'm like, "What's your opinion on this? What should I do?" Etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So thanks for that as well. Awesome, my dude. pleasure. I appreciate it. You have a great day, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Everybody have oh, a good time uh, yeah. teaching your schools. <laughs> yeah, and don't and don't forget to you know listen to this on iTunes, right? And you can download it or hear it on you know on a replay on iTunes. We have our podcasts and all that. So uh, you know, and share this page with other martial arts school owners if you feel feel it's share worthy. Absolutely, this is our two hundred third uh, podcast. So uh, there's a ton of other information that's up there that people can go back and listen to. Awesome. All right, dude. Have a great day. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye.